Welcome to the Lift Church podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you to live up to your God-given potential. Well, today we come to a close um, in our Right on the Money series. I hope that you guys have been blessed by Lift Talks, uh, by Pastor Beck. Uh, as over the last few weeks, as we unpacked uh, some principles about money to help you have a right relationship with money. And today I want to be talking to you about this question, when is enough enough? And um, I'm probably not so much approaching this from a strict um, numerical sense. Like if you're here and you're hoping that I'll tell you how much money you need before you retire, go somewhere else. I'm not qualified to give you any of that advice, but I'm talking about a, a, a condition of the heart. I want to talk to you about a condition of the heart. A few weeks ago, I went for a, a, a week-long intensive and I studied uh, a unit called Psychology of Emotions. And I did that because I love psychology. It's been a passion of mine for a long time. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I, I realized over my journey that, um, how should I put it? Emotions get in the way. Anyone agree with that? Yeah? Emotions are annoying things, right? Like you're wanting to do something and then your emotions like come in and then it's like, oh, come on. If I didn't have those emotions, I would just be able to get on with life. Uh, I wouldn't be struggling as much as uh, I am right now and all that kind of stuff. And I realize, hang on, God created each and every single one of us with emotions. So it must mean something. And so I went to the course, wanting to uh, develop myself as well and understand, uh, I came up with a much greater appreciation and understanding of how God has created each and every single one of us. Uh, I'm learning how to uh, work with my emotions and to be responsive to my emotions in a healthy way. And, and you're probably going to hear, hear tons of it over the next, I don't know, six months plus, because I'm still chewing through stuff and, and it's, it's evident uh, that God is wanting me to understand a lot more. And you get the overflow of that, I guess. Uh, but one of the things that I learned was about an emotion called happiness. Happiness is a strange emotion because we only have very few categories of positive emotions, and happiness is one of them. When you think about positive emotions, think about it, honestly, just right now, think about a category, so not just a feeling word, but a category of a positive emotion. You'd probably come up with happiness, maybe contentment, and that's about it. But then when you think about negative emotions, you get anger, frustration, depression, anxiety, fear, disgust. So when we talk about positive emotions, happiness is really important. And how many of us would like to have more positive emotions than negative in our lives? In fact, the pursuit of happiness is so important that in the American Declaration of Independence, it writes in this most foundational document of the country that the pursuit of happiness is an unalienable right of every single human being. All of us are on this journey of pursuing happiness. Honestly, that's something that we all 
understand as a bit of a right, something that we want. And when we don't feel happy, there is something in us, there's a disconnect in us. Because it feels like if you're not happy, that naturally kind of means that you have got some negative emotions at play in your life. And negative emotions have this effect on us that we want to run from that and try to find happiness again. And so we go into this cycle of trying to pursue happiness, which let me just put out there right now, I believe it's a God-given design. God has designed us to pursue happiness. But what I have found in my studies and over time in my experience as well, is that while we have this design in us to pursue happiness, many of us don't really know what it means to pursue happiness. In fact, over the course of this week, I started to see, as my teachers uh, were unpacking it, that many of us are not actually pursuing happiness. Many of us are pursuing a close cousin of happiness, but a way less fulfilling emotion called pleasure. Let me just describe to you what pleasure does. Pleasure is this momentary, short-lived emotion that is directly linked to a drug in our mind, a neurotransmitter in our mind called dopamine. And if you uh, have ever seen a young person who is um, greatly attracted to someone and this someone comes up to them and, and gives them a hug, you will see the effects of dopamine because for the next few moments, that person is completely dopey, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's what dopamine does. It gives you a sense of pleasure. You are completely in a state of bliss for a few moments. Dopamine has that effect. And, and, and why we love dopamine is because it feels good. It feels as though we are on top of the world, floating on cloud nine, as they say. And, and dopamine has this effect on us. But one of the things that many of us don't realize is that pleasure and dopamine, while it gives us that little high for that little while, it does not carry with it an ability to give you fulfillment. This is what studies have shown. This is not just me saying this. Uh, this is not the Word of God uh, just saying this. This is also backed up by science, by research, that when people search for pleasure and they search for greater levels of dopamine, they are never, ever satisfied. So if you think about a person who's a thrill seeker, a person who jumps off cliffs and jumps off buildings and I don't know what else they jump off nowadays, giraffes um, and, and, and tall stuff. And they, they, why do they do it? Because it gives them a dopamine rush in their brains. But after they jump off that thing, so they, they take the first one and they jump off that. And it's like, oh, wow, that was so amazing. What do they do next? Higher. Yeah, the same one doesn't have the same effect anymore. They went from a five-story building to a 10-story building. They go from a 10-story building to a 20-story building. That is what dopamine does. Dopamine catches us into a cycle of chasing pleasure that does not satisfy, but makes us feel good in the moment. Dopamine is addictive. Uh, and, and in fact, many of us, we don't have to do adrenaline sports to, to get a dopamine rush. Do you know that every single person in this room carries a drug machine probably in their pocket or in their hands right now? I'm talking about the beautiful smartphone. 
I am petitioning to call it a dumb phone because of how much dopamine it gives us. It makes us dopey. So say hi to your dumb phone. And, and what happens in our drug machines is that we load it with these um, apps. We call them apps. And these apps have this amazing ability um, to speak to our brains in ways that maybe many of us don't understand. And, and, and these apps in particular, there's a, a range of them, they're called social media apps and social networking apps. The, the purpose of them is for us to stay connected and to communicate. I don't think it was intended to be this way, but what happened in, 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 in social media, especially because it's disconnected from the other person, it has somehow become about us. And so what research has shown is that whenever your drug machine gives you a little ding because someone has liked your post or someone has commented on your post or someone has tagged you in a nonsensical post, which happens a lot. <laughs> totally joking. You get this little notification. Let me tell you a little thing. I hate seeing those red numbers on my app. I don't know if I'm OCD or something like that. I just don't like them. But at the same time, uh, 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 when I get these notifications, it says something to me. It says someone thought of me. Someone paid attention or, or recognizes that I am alive. Remember, in social media, you are disconnected from the person physically. You cannot see them. And so this moment becomes about you. And when you get that little ding, it actually secretes a little bit of dopamine into your brain. It actually does. So your Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, you might be thinking, I'm just being connected. No, you are drug addicted. You can, I should say, you can be drug addicted. Consider, consider this, whenever you've got a moment to spare, let's say uh, Beck has gone shopping, and I'm there with her as well, and she's browsing the... the have you ever noticed that guys have like one rack of clothing and then women have about five million? Yeah. And so I go, I'm like, okay, let me go look at my, my shelves. I, I look through, I go to her and she's still on one out of five million shelves that she needs to look at. And, uh, and so what do I do? I man stand, but I also reach for my drug machine because I'm bored right now. And Boring is a negative emotion, apparently. And so I try to get some dopamine into my brain just to cope with the fact that it's another uh, 4,999,999 shells of waiting to go through. Beg is not that bad at all. I'm just trying to make a point about what seems to happen in our lives. We reach for this drug because it seems to make us happy. But have you noticed, especially young people, you might understand what I'm trying to say here, but there was a point where when you first started up your Instagram account and you put up your first photo and you got five likes. And it was like, I'm famous. <laughs> And then after a little while, you start to realize that your friend, who is uglier than you, got 12 likes. And suddenly, your five likes looks pretty pathetic. And it says something about you. And so you put on that duck face, that little pose where you put your, I don't know, your hip out? Or, or whatever it is. 
in order that you get those extra eight likes. The five likes actually makes you feel bad about yourself. And so you need more in order to feel a little bit better. We have a whole generation of people that are chasing pleasure, chasing dopamine, chasing this drug-induced state of pleasure and mistaking it for happiness. Do you know that an ancient Chinese book of wisdom wrote this, that happiness is the most dangerous emotion? Not because of the emotion itself, but because of what people will do in order to get that emotion. Pleasure is what many of us mistake for happiness. Pleasure is that momentary, I feel good about myself kind of a thought. But that's not what happiness is. And a bunch of researchers, they started to look into um, this whole idea of happiness, especially around finances. I read a couple of uh, articles about this, and it was fascinating. There was one um, particular um, uh, research done on a bunch of co-workers that were given an end-of-year bonus. And so they were all given a bonus, and they tracked how these people spent their money. And a whole bunch of them spent the money on themselves, and uh, the research found that their happiness level rose for a little while couple of days, three days, four days maybe, they were really happy that they bought something that they liked for themselves. And then there was a whole bunch of other workers that actually spent their money outside of themselves. They gave it to charitable organizations, they gave it away to friends and family, buy presents, that kind of stuff. And they found that the state of happiness that those workers were, eight weeks later, were still in a higher state of happiness after two whole months after two whole months the ones who bought stuff for themselves were happy for two days pleasure the ones who gave beyond themselves were happy truly happy for more than two months after their act of, of kindness, the act of generosity. I'm not just saying this because I want your money. We've already done the tithe and offering moment today. I'm trying to help you out because so many of us are chasing the two-day high rather than the two-month state of contentment. And, and, and there was another piece of research done where they got people in and they gave them $5 or $20 and they were instructed to either spend the money on themselves or others and the same results were found. The ones who gave beyond themselves, whether it was just $5 or whether it was $20, it didn't uh, uh, depend on the amount. It depend on the direction of the spending. Whenever it was spent outside of themselves, the happiness lasted far longer than those who spent on themselves. But this is the sad thing. They asked those participants before they gave them the money, what do you think will make you happier, spending on yourself or spending on others? Every single one of them said, spending on myself. Every single participant said, when I spend money on myself, I will be happier. That is the trap that we are in today. That's the world that we live in today. That we don't know how to find happiness anymore because we think that happiness is found within ourselves, spending on ourselves, making me happy for that short amount of time. 
And then after the happiness wears off, I go and try to find another high. And the problem with dopamine is that if you just keep secreting dopamine into your brain, your brain gets resistant to it. And so you need more and more and more. This is the cycle of more that so many of us are trapped in. And I'm not just talking about money this morning. I'm talking about a whole bunch of aspects of our lives because I have recognized that many of us are trapped in a cycle of needing something more. If you find in yourself this morning that, that thought of, if only I had, if only we had that little more, if only I got that, you are already trapped in a cycle of more. And this morning, I want to give you three steps, three steps in breaking that cycle of more, because I believe that each and every single one of us are meant to truly pursue happiness, meaningful, lasting happiness. That is the way that God has designed us, chasing meaningful, lasting happiness. And we need to be able to walk through these three steps. You ready for them? Step one, we need to learn how to say to ourselves, I have enough. I have enough. Turn to your neighbor and say, I have enough. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you have enough. Let them know you might need a breast mint. That might be the little more that they need, but they have enough. See, I, I started to realize that even in myself, that sense of wanting or even needing more often comes from a place because I don't think I have enough. And, and the Bible tells us something really interesting. Uh, um, Paul was talking to his protege, Timothy, in 1 Timothy 6 verse 7, and it says this, For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. We will. Paul was teaching Timothy something. It is part of our will to understand contentment. When I start to see what I have, it is my will that can determine whether I am contented or not. And we need to learn how to say, I have enough. Because what happens when we don't say that? Paul goes on to say, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. That's what we're talking about. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But like I said, I don't believe that this is just a, uh, about money. Uh, Jesus says in Luke 12, 15, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Not just financial greed, all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of emotions. What we need to understand is that many of us are chasing things. We are chasing acceptance. We are chasing affirmation. We are chasing love. We are chasing, we are chasing uh, material things. We are, we, are, we are chasing all of these things because we feel like we don't have enough. And if we learn how to short circuit that moment where I need that, I, I need that. It's like, do you really? Paul told Timothy, you have food, you have shelter, you have clothing, you have enough. How many of us would truly be happy with that kind of a state? Because if you don't feel happy, it's probably because there's something in your brain saying, I need, I need, I need, I need. But something I've realized about being able to say, I have enough, 
is, that is really difficult. And I, I believe that a reason why it's so difficult is because the things that we have mean a lot to us, or the things that we want mean a lot to us. It actually says something about us. And this is why we need to progress beyond being able to say, I have enough. In fact, to be able to say, I have enough, you probably need to learn how to say something else before that. And that something else is that I am enough. I am enough. I recognize in my life that the moments that I'm really in this cycle of more is when I don't think that I am enough. Back in my previous church, I, I joined um, I joined it when, when it was still really young, and so we did the whole setup pack down thing as we do here. And um, one of the things that I, I didn't think that I was extremely um, talented or charismatic or anything like that. But one thing I knew how to do was to work really hard. That was the kind of person I was. And so I thought that in order to get the affirmation of other people and the affirmation of the team, I'll work hard for them. And so I would be one of the first ones to reach church and to be pulling all the uh, heavy stuff out. And, and then uh, we, we would take a whole, we, we were at church by like 7.30 or something like that. You guys are blessed. And we started at 7.30, even in the summer, and we set up this full massive stage with massive curtains everywhere. It took us a full hour to set up, and then we would start our band practice that would go for half an hour, which would immediately go into prayer meeting. And then we got a 15 minute break, draw our breath, and then do the worship set, wait for Pastor Joel to preach, and then Pastor Joel always love about two-hour uh, worship sessions after. If you know Pastor Joel, you know that that's the way it was, and so I've got my guitar, I've got my bass or something, I'm standing on stage uh, all together over the whole morning. I probably had like half an hour to sit down, and, 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 and then after that, then we do another hour pack down, and I will make sure that I was the first one to start, I will make sure I'm the last one to finish. And there was this one day where I was particularly feeling like there was a lack in me. And I looked across the room as I was moving another heavy object. I don't remember what it was. Probably wanted to chuck it at someone at that point. But I saw, it, uh, I saw a bunch of my, my friends just in a corner laughing and joking while I was continuing to work my butt off. And there was something in me that just went, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? It really got me quite upset. And I remember just, I didn't understand why. I didn't have this language to understand what I was trying to do. I just knew that I needed something more. I felt like I was lacking in something. It was only after, I think, a, a few weeks, really, of kind of going, why did I get so upset at those guys having a good old laugh? I realized it's because I wanted to be in. I realized that all of my effort to move these stages and this de decor and, and, and all this stuff wasn't getting me the affirmation that I wanted. And I was feeling like I had put all this effort into all of these things and still I was coming up short. Have you ever felt that way in your life where you are busting your gut going the extra mile, trying to get yourself past this line that you have drawn. Maybe it's in your grades, maybe it's in your bank account, maybe it's in, 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 your, in your workplace, maybe whatever it is, 
working your way through the cycle of more never, ever gets you to a place of being able to say, I am enough. This is what Jesus said in Luke chapter 12. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. I'm here to say something to you. That if you find yourself in a cycle of more, there's something inside of you that believes that you are less valuable than that ugly, scavenger, scary as heck bird known as the raven. This bird that scavenged its way through life, that sits outside your bed still in the morning and goes, and some of us look at that bird and we think, I'm going to have to do more to be able to be looked after like that bird is. How crazy is that? How crazy is it that we think we have got so much lack inside of us, that we think that we're not enough. We need to be able to get ourselves to a place because if you cannot say, I am enough, you will never have enough. If you cannot get yourself to a place where you truly believe, I am enough, then there's always going to be someone you have to please. There's always a great that you need to achieve. There's always that promotion you need to get. There is always that pay rise that you need to have. There is always that word of affirmation or that word of encouragement into your soul. If not, you are never enough and you find yourself in anxiety, in fear, in depression. When you feel like you aren't enough, happiness completely eludes you. And we find different ways when we feel like we are not enough, to inoculate those feelings of lack, that I am not, that emptiness inside of our soul. A few months ago, God gave me uh, this lovely person to father for a little while, or maybe for a long time, I don't know, that's in God's hands. And one day God just put in my heart to say to her, you are not your grades. You are not your grades. And I'm here to say that you are not your grades. Some of you are grading yourself right now in how you're doing life. Maybe you are in uni and those grades actually mean something so much to you. But many of you are placing standards in yourself on how to get to that grade. I, I think I'm a C minus mum right now. I think I'm a B worker right now. Maybe you're grading yourself as a person. I'm, I'm just an average person. Maybe I'm a C. You are not a great. You're a human being who's been created by God, who's been designed intimately by God. I was just reading the other day in the Bible, it says that every single hair on your head has been numbered. God takes a lot longer on some people than on others. But he still cares. He knows every prayer. He knows every moment. And that is why being able to say, I am enough, is not something that we can say in and of ourselves, but it comes when we understand this third step, which is to say that God is enough. 
when we get to a place of understanding that God is enough, then out of that space we can say, I am enough. What do I mean by that? Jesus continues to say in Luke chapter 12, he says, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Jesus had this moment with these people and he was saying, don't be anxious, don't worry about anything. God loves you more than the birds. Seriously, he loves you so much more than the birds. And then he draws them in and he says, don't be afraid, little flock. Your father is pleased. I want to slow this right down right now. Do you believe that your heavenly Father, that the Lord, the one who created the heavens and the earth, the one who holds everything together, that our God, can you hear Him say, I am pleased to give you the kingdom. I am pleased to give. Some of you don't get this. That you think that God is withholding from you because He thinks that, that, that He doesn't need to give it to you. But the Bible describes God as love. And He loves you deeply, desperately, so desperate that He would give His life for you to be in right relationship with Him. If He's already given up on His, uh, given His life in exchange for this relationship, why is He withholding anything from you? Why is He withholding value and worth from who you are? Some of us listen to that passage and they say, don't be afraid, little flocks, that, well, I don't know if I'm part of the flock. Well, you are. The Bible tells us that if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that day salvation is yours. That day you are adopted into family. That day that you are His. That is what the Bible teaches us. This is what God has set in stone. This is the design and the function uh, that, that, that we have been made with, that when we acknowledge Him as God, that we become His little flock. And in that moment when you say yes to God and, he's, and, he, he, and he brings you in, that moment He says, I am. I'm so pleased. I'm so happy. I, I, I gained so much pleasure right now from giving you the kingdom. And when God says that He gives you the kingdom, He's not giving you the, 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 the scrappy little part of His kingdom. He says, the kingdom. He's not giving you the slums of heaven, which, by the way, if there's a slum in heaven, it's probably much better than anything we can imagine anyway. But He says, I'm giving you the kingdom. The storehouses of heaven is enough. And when He says that I am your provider, when He says that I am your father, when He says that I am giving you what you need, you know, there was this moment in my life where I was completely questioning my worth and where I was coming from and whether I would be able to take another step in my journey with God. I did not know. And God brought me to this verse in 1 Peter. And he said, and the verse says, God has given you everything you need to live a godly life. And in that moment, I was like, really? Because I don't feel, I don't feel like I've got everything I need. I don't feel like I'm going to be going anywhere with this. And this is the thing, right? When we don't think that God is enough, we put all the pressure on us to be enough. You've got two choices. Trust God or trust yourself. There's only two ways around this. By saying no to God, you're saying yes to yourself. 
And if there's anything I've learned about any human being, all of you included, is that you are all not enough. I've sat with enough of you to know you are messed up. <laughs> You've got issues on your issues on your issues. You don't even know why you're messed up. You come and sit in front of me and you start crying and I'm like, I don't even know what the issue is. But that's us, human beings, fragile, easily broken. And you want to trust that? You want to trust yourself? Then prepare to be in the cycle of war. Prepare yourself. Honestly, you will always need more in order for you to be enough. The cycle never ends. It has no end. And you keep going, you keep going, you keep grading yourself and finding that you're not quite up to the grade. You're going to spend every single bit of your effort in order to be when God has already said you are. But when we get ourselves to a place where it's like, I don't trust myself, but I'm trusting God. That moment the key's been given to me to access the abundant riches of God. And I am enough. If we can get the band up this morning. See, the problem with many of us is that we approach God with these three steps. And we approach God kind of in this way where we say, step one, I need to have enough. And when I have enough, then I will be enough. And when I be enough, then I can come to God. Honestly, if every person in this room closes your eyes right now, think about how you personally relate to God. How do you relate to God? Is that with that sense of I need more in order to be more, in order that I can come to God? If that's the way that you're approaching God, you will never be able to be in a good relationship with Him. The equation is flipped. God is enough. He calls you enough. And therefore you have enough. That was how you were designed. That's how every single human being was designed. Our salvation is by faith and not by works. Our salvation is by grace. By God's free gift that you cannot earn. And God's the only one that can speak deeply into who you really are and say, you are enough. So this morning, I want to give people a moment. Some of you have been searching for meaning, for purpose. Some of you have been searching for a reason for you to continue existing. Some of you have been searching to fill up that void inside of your soul saying, I need to be more. And, and, and there's this raging fire, this consuming cycle of needing more that has been going on in your soul. If that is you, let me introduce you to the one who can, pl who, who, who can, who can douse the fires of the cycle of more. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ, who 
saw you while you were still in your sin, who knew that you would never be able to repay that debt. And he said to you, I love you so much that I'm going to the cross to take away every single ounce of guilt and shame. Take it upon myself so that you can be right, so that you can be enough. That is the God that I serve. That is the God that you can serve. So right now, I'm going to lead everyone into a prayer. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, have faith. Right now, if you speak out with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, salvation is yours, your identity is made right in this moment. So let's say this prayer together, everyone. Dear Jesus, I know that I have sinned. I know that I can't earn my way back. And so I thank you that you went to the cross for me. I invite you into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. Amen. Now, if you said that prayer, we've got these Bibles available for you as a gift from us. Why? Because Bible is, the Bible is God's Word, and it helps you understand who He is. And out of light of who He is, you will know who you are. This is one of the most powerful tools we have in our disposal to know who we truly are. And so we want to put this into your hands to give you that ability, uh, uh, the tools that you need to go on this journey. So that's available for you at the back of the auditorium this morning. But can we just get everyone to stand? I know we've gone over time a little bit. I pray that you can just give us another five minutes. The band's about to sing this song. And the moment I started putting this message together, this song was resounding in my heart. The song is called, Who You Say I Am. And the verses go, Who am I? Who am I? That the highest king would welcome me. Who am I? That the God who created the heavens and the earth would even take notice of me. And the response is this, that I'm a child of God. That He affirms my identity. Just like the band to just sing this over us. If you know it, why don't you just declare it over yourself as well? Thank you for tuning in today. If you would like to find out more about Lift, check out our website at theliftchurch.com.au.